Good morning. How you doing this morning? We are going to pray for rain today. Whether it's scheduled to come. Scheduled? It's on God's schedule. Our schedule and God's schedule might not uh, line up. But uh, we, will, we will take some time and pray for rain today. It's good to see you here. Um, I always feel like a goob at the beginning of the service. And then in the middle of the service. And, and then, then again at the end of the service. Anyway, um, it's good to see you here today. If you're visiting with us and you've never taken the time to uh, fill out a Vistra card, uh, you can actually take out your phone and scan that QR code in the bulletin. If you're visiting with us online, uh, you can do the same with the QR code that's on the screen. It'll take you to a digital bulletin. There you'll find all kinds of things, but if you'll scroll down to the bottom, there's a place where you can actually fill out an online Vistra card. We'd love to have you do that. Just let us know that you're visiting with us today. A couple of things to mention. Um, again, this is the last Sunday, uh, the time of the year when we give towards North American Missions. It's the Andy Armstrong Easter offering. Uh, that offering goal for us was $6,000, and I'm pleased to say as a church we uh, exceeded our goal by $160. Bucks. Um, if you would like and you have not had the opportunity to give specifically to that, that offering, uh, you can do so today because I think we should send it in fairly quickly um, after today. Um, also, if you have not had uh, the opportunity to say something to Jerry about going to Centra Kids Summer Camp, make sure you do that. And, and on that note, it does say in the bulletin, a fundraiser will be coming soon. Um, if you love hot, sweet bread, then we're selling Krispy Kreme donuts. And if you have never tasted a Krispy Kreme donut, buy a couple of dozen because one dozen won't be enough. Uh, but if you would like to buy uh, Krispy Kreme donuts from Jerry... Uh, how much are those a dozen, Jerry? $10 a dozen, if you would. Uh, please make sure and, and see Jerry or uh, is there a group of kids I should direct them to? Third through sixth grade. If you have one in your house, they probably already hit you up for those. Um, but anyway, if you're third through sixth, um, make sure you talk to Jerry about going to summer camp if you'd like to go. Um, and there is no cost, just in case everyone, you're, you're not aware of that. The, the church pays for it and we fundraise some as well, so just want to make sure all that's clear. Uh, a couple of thank yous. Last Sunday, we did have uh, our Easter celebration and our deacons. Um, so thankful for them. Um, after the, we had our, our sunrise service out at Indian Stadium, uh, they were already set up here uh, to make the wonderful breakfast meal that we all enjoyed together. So I'm really thankful for our deacons and their service there. And also I want to say thank you to Callie, and I'm sure there's some others I need to thank uh, who got the Easter egg hunt together. Uh, wasn't too hard to find the eggs. There wasn't much grass to hide them in. <laughs> um, but we pray that the Lord changes that soon. Are there any other announcements that need to be made this morning before we have our call to worship? All right. Um, to direct our attention toward um, the object, the person of our worship today, I simply want to read the first four verses of uh, the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 1. It says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the exact radiance of the glory of God. I'm sorry, He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. And He upholds the universe... By the word of his power, 
After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Let's stand and worship together.
Good morning. Have you guys ever won a trophy for something? No? I bet you're going to. A medal. Okay, well, medals and trophies are what? He did? For what? For being the best daddy? Basketball. Okay, this is one of my brother's fishing trophies. He has a whole house full of trophies. You saw him yesterday, didn't you? Um, Yes, you're right. It has something to do with fishing. Um, it reminded me of a song that we sing all the time and the fact that sometimes we sing words in a song and we don't really think about what they mean. We just sang two songs about the blood of Jesus. And this song is about the cross where he shed his blood for us. It's the old rugged cross. And the chorus says, so I'll cherish. Do you know what cherish means? What? Adore. Adore. Yes, like, I love this. I love this kid. I love this kid more than anything in the world. That's what cherish means. And so it says, it says I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. What do you think that means? This represents an entire lifetime of effort on my brother's part. He fished hard and won lots of trophies. And so what this is saying is I'm I love that cross so much. I'm going to love that cross until finally I'm going to lay down on my trophies. Everything I've ever done in this life, everything I've ever accomplished, I'm going to lay these trophies down, and I'm going to cling to the old rugged cross uh, and exchange it someday for a crown because of the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross because he died on the cross we can put away all of the things that we've done all of our accomplishments and exchange all of that just lay all of that at the feet of Jesus Christ and exchange it trade it for a crown of life and live with him forever. Isn't that wonderful? So you guys are going to win lots of trophies in your lives. I know you are. But someday we're going to just lay them down and exchange them for the life that Jesus Christ has for us. Yes. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Well, let's pray. Father, Lord, we just uh, praise you this morning. We thank you for giving us special gifts, uh, special things that we can do really well. And Father, we look forward to the day that we can just lay all of that down at your feet and exchange it for the eternal life that we have with you in heaven. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This is Psalm 91. It'll be on the screen for you. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and a buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your right side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all, his, all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and the adder. The young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Oh, I kept reading. I forgot to get all the rest of it on there. I apologize. Let's continue to worship.
please stand. How many of you are familiar with that song? I mean, before we began to sing it here at church, how many of you were, had sang that song before? Okay, just, just a few. Um, I, I never sung that song myself uh, until James led it a few weeks ago, a month ago, however long it was. Um, what an encouraging song. Uh, one of the, the things that um, worship does for us is... We're all, in some sense, kind of like children. You know, how'd you learn your ABCs? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, I cannot sing. So, but that's how we, we learned. We put it to kind of sing-songy stuff, things that we could remember. We put things to, uh, in, in poetry form. Uh, and when you combine beautiful content, like the glories of the truths of our God, with good music... Uh, then we're learning theology. We're singing theology. We're putting theology in our mind and in our heart um, so that, um, especially, you think about this song we just sang, My Faith Has Found a Resting.
place. It's in Christ Jesus. When you have times of doubt, no amens there? Am I the only one that I'm the only one that has times of doubt and struggle? You wonder why Christ, why why in the world would you bother to to have me, this wretch, be be your child? I remember it is enough that Jesus died and that he died for me. So I, I really appreciate that song, and I hope you do as well. I hope that you brought your copy of God's Word with you today. If so, would you please take it and turn to John chapter 15. Uh, we'll look at the first eight verses of John chapter 15 together. If you did not bring your copy of God's Word... I won't scold you, but I will strongly encourage you. Walk through the door each Sunday morning carrying your copy of God's Word. Uh, Know it well. Um, But if you didn't bring it with you, there's a hardback black one in the pew. Somewhere around you, take it, turn to the back, find page 85. If you would, please stand as we honor the reading of God's Word together. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, and this is God's word. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine... Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Let's pray together. Father, as we turn our hearts, affection, and our minds' attention to this word, this word that was spoken by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the night he was betrayed, reminding the disciples of this truth, that they are a part, and, and we also, as your disciples, are as branches a part of Christ Jesus, the true vine, who laid down his life for us, that we might be made clean through the preaching of the word of the gospel, through the presence of the Spirit in our lives, that through the Spirit we might abide in Christ and him abide in us, and therefore we'll be able to bear much fruit and bring you glory. Lord, these are glorious truths that we open our hearts and minds to this morning. And unless the Spirit applies them to our minds and our hearts, uh, we have come in vain. Knowing, Lord, that you want to get glory from your people, I pray, God, that this truth would not return void, but it would accomplish all that you have for it. For our good and for your glory. In the name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to begin with a statement 
that ought to go without saying, sometimes I, th- I think it can strike us wrong, um, if, <clears throat> and, and, and maybe that's okay, because it's an opportunity for learning. But here's a statement I want to begin with. Everything God does is for His own glory. I hope that doesn't stump you, because it might make it sound as if God sure is self-centered. We want God to be self-centered. He is the highest being of which human minds can conceive. In other words, we can't. there must be someone, something, a person, a being that is higher than us. God is the highest being we can conceive of. And we want God to be concerned with His own glory. Because His own glory is what drives Him to do what He does. Everything God does is for His own glory. Genesis 1. God creates the world in six days and rests on the seventh. He creates Adam and Eve. Why were human beings created? What is the... As it says, um, one question in, in a catechism, the very first one it asked is, what is the chief end of man? In other words, why do we exist? That's a great question. Because the answer to it helps us to understand our purpose for living. And the answer to that is, we were created to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is why you and I and every other person who has ever stepped foot on this earth, that is our purpose, to glorify God and to honor Him forever, to enjoy Him forever. Now to put that answer in terms of words from this, and phrases from this morning's text, we're created to glorify God. In other words, we're created to bear fruit. What does it mean? We need to define that term. We're not talking about each individual person as their own fruit tree. But there is a lot of truth to using this particular metaphor so that we understand that bearing fruit means that we are having, as Christians, thoughts, words, deeds, actions, dispositions that just like fruit on a tree are observable, that bring ever-increasing glory to God and are, apart from a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, unexplainable. Now, that may be a mouthful, but it's true. It's things that show that we have been changed and that are unexplainable apart from the change that comes through Christ. We're created to bear fruit, but we're also created to enjoy God forever. To use the terms that are here repeated over and over in this text, we're created to abide in God. Abiding with Him in Him means that we, as people who are in Christ, receive from Him, as 1 Peter says, everything necessary for life and godliness. Not only do we receive, we delight in Christ Jesus, in God, in the Spirit in their persons, in their character, their actions. And abiding also has this sense of knowing, both intellectually and by experience, that Jesus Christ is your life and your all in all. That's why we were created. But the fall of Adam in the garden radically affected every human being except for Christ Jesus. We have proof of this in Romans chapter 3. I'm going to read verses 9 through 18. Paul writes, What then are, 
Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all Jews and Greeks are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery. In the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That is the state of fallen humanity. And because that is true, fallen humanity is no longer collectively, individually, to glorify God by bearing fruit. Now, I want to stop here and say that doesn't mean that human beings are incapable, unable, completely, to do good and virtuous things. It is rather to say this. because, And this is how you can answer someone who says, I'm a good person. That may be true. Fallen human beings, people that have not been born again, will not do good and virtuous things for the glory of God. So fallen humanity no longer able to glorify God by bearing fruit. And also, fallen humanity is no longer desirous of enjoying God forever by abiding in fellowship with Him. And furthermore, they can't. They can't abide in fellowship with God because they're cut off from fellowship with God due to their sin. What's even worse, and this is the tragedy of it all, they cannot reestablish fellowship with God through good works since even their best and most virtuous works are tainted with sin and fall infinitely short of the glory of God. And a lifetime of good works cannot atone for even one sin against an infinitely holy God. So in other words, there's, there, we have a big problem. And oftentimes we don't even really know that we have this big problem. Because what we do as fallen human beings is we content ourselves with worldly experiences and standards of life unaware that we are created by God for more, to glorify Him and to enjoy Him forever. So therefore, being fallen, how can humanity be restored to its original design and purpose? Well, it's not by doing good works. It's not by just bringing ourselves to life because spiritually dead people doing spiritually dead works cannot produce life. Life only comes from life. And God alone is the source and sustainer of life. And He has appointed His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the means by which fallen people receive life, experience life, and persevere to life. So Jesus, this morning in this text, expounds these truths through a familiar Old Testament metaphor. It's that of the vine and its branches. If you want to kind of understand Old Testament context, go back after you get home today and read the first part of Isaiah chapter 5. But I've organized the truths of this morning's text around three statements. And the first statement is this. Only the living branches are actually in the vine. Only the living branches are actually in the vine. Well, that raises a question, does it not? How do you distinguish between a living branch uh, and a non-living 
branch. Non-living, we'd have to say, is, is, is dead. Well, here's how we know. The fruit-bearing branches are the living branches. The fruit-bearing branches are the ones that are actually in the vine. Now, you notice over and over in this particular text, Jesus says, in me. For instance, let's read. Uh, I'll read verses 1 and 2 again. I am the true vine. Again, true vine context. Uh, Isaiah chapter 5. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Now we have to understand here, what does Christ mean when he says, in me? Well, the stark truth is that in churches all over the world right now, there are people who believe they are in Christ. They are living branches. But yet... They're not bearing fruit. See, Jesus Christ, when when a person becomes part of the vine, they are a new creation. They don't assume upon themselves a new religion like they went uh, to the half-price books, went to the religious section. Let me see, there's Islam, there's Buddhism, there's Baha'i, there's all these different things. Let me just try this. It's not how it works. See, you're made a new creation. It's It's not that you just... Become a religious person. There are three actions that don't make a person a living branch. The first one is this. Claiming to be in the vine. Just claiming to be in the vine does not make a person a living branch. Verses in, in Matthew 3, verses 7 to 10. This is John the Baptist speaking. He says to the scribes and Pharisees, because he was baptizing across in the Jordan River... People were coming to him all around. But he sees the Pharisees and Sadducees and he says to them, You brood of vipers who warned you to flee from the wrath to come. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. John the Baptist is telling them, you believe, you are, you belong to God. But he says, you are not bearing fruit. Jesus also in John 8, 39. The Pharisees and Sadducees, um, they answer Jesus and say, Abraham is our father. And Jesus said, and listen how he connects this with fruit. He doesn't say the word fruit, but he connects it with fruit. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would be doing the works Abraham did. In other words, if you were a living connection to to God like Abraham was, you would do the works Abraham did. So... Just claiming to be in the vine doesn't make you a living branch. A second action that doesn't make you a living branch is just being in the same vicinity with other living branches. If you rub shoulders with other living branches at church or in your social crowd, that does not make you a living branch. In fact, Paul says in Romans 9, verse 6, talking about the nation of Israel, he says this, But it is not as though the word of God has failed. For not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. They thought they were, but not all who are descended from Israel belong to Israel. 
John says in 1 John 2.19, They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they are all not of us. See, you just can't come to church, be in the same vicinity with other living branches and expect to become a living branch. Final action that will not make you a living branch is attaching fruit to your branch. You might think, well, that's weird. Where'd you come up with that? There was a great parenting series that I uh, led, uh, uh, kind of a small group that I led in Bangs. And, and the guy that was leading this parenting seminar kept talking about stapling, uh, uh, nailing apples. Like your children learn to nail apples. So it looks like they're, they're fruitful kids. Christians is what he's talking about. So you can, you can act in such a way as to be outwardly fruitful looking, but inside be just disconnected from life with God. Jesus points this out in Matthew 23, 25 to 26. Listen to what he says. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee. First clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also be clean. This is the truth. If a person bears no fruit for the glory of God, that person is not a living branch. That person is dead, physically alive, capable of doing good and virtuous things, but spiritually dead. Only Christ can make a person a living branch. Listen to what he says to his disciples. Already you are clean. What I take that to mean is, he's saying you are already connected to me. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Only Christ can make a person a living branch. The vine dresser purposefully cuts each branch. Each branch that Claims to be in the vine. The vine dresser purposefully cuts every branch. Now you notice in verses in verse 2 it says, Every branch in me, notice the word every, every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So there's a, the vine dresser looks at every branch and purposefully cuts every one. None of the branches are missed. Some he prunes and some he removes. Now the fruit-bearing branches we see are pruned so that they bear more fruit. And I want you to think about pruning as cutting away. When, it, when the vine dresser cuts away, he prunes, he takes away what inhibits the growth of fruit in order to maximize the harvest. Well, how does that look? Because we're talking in terms of a metaphor here. How does that translate into per, uh, my personal life, my everyday well, let me give you some examples from Scripture. Paul, when he's ministering, writes this to the church in Corinth in chapter 1 of the second letter. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the, death, the sentence of death. In other words, so he's going through some pain. God is pruning him. But why is God doing this pruning work in Paul? He finishes by saying, 
But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. God had a plan with Paul to prune him that he might be more fruit-bearing. Well, that was Paul. He was in ministry. What about me? James, in writing to the church, says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. Do we meet trials of various kinds? God in His providence uses those things, James says, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. There's the fruit. And let steadfastness have its full effect so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Sometimes God uses other people to prune us. God used Paul to prune Peter. There was a point that Paul writes in Galatians 2 when Peter comes to Antioch. And he acts differently when Paul is gone or James, while James is there uh, than he did when, when they weren't there. In other words, um, he was kind of hobnobbing with the Gentiles. But when some folks came that were Jewish, he stopped hobnobbing with the Gentiles and he made himself more Jewish. And Paul says, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. Sometimes God uses people to trim us. But it's always a work of the Word. It's always a work based on what God has revealed about Himself in Scripture. So the vine dresser purposely cuts each branch. Some branches are pruned, but non-fruit bearing, the fruit bearing branches are pruned, the non-fruit bearing branches are removed. And whereas pruning is cutting away, removal is cutting off. See, when, 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 when the branch has growth that doesn't need to be there cut away, the branch is still attached to the vine. But, but the, the vine dresser looks at every branch. And if one is not fruit bearing, then, then it's not living. He will cut it away. So where, when it's not bearing fruit, because it's not connected to the vine, and therefore not bearing fruit... It's cut off. But no branches are left uncut. We need to see that. Not one single branch is left uncut. We see the word every. God the Father, the vine dresser, knows perfectly what to do with every branch. The second statement. Only the abiding branches bear fruit. Only the abiding branches bear fruit. A living branch only bears fruit through abiding in the vine. Receiving the benefits of being a living branch connected to the vine. That's what happens when you abide. We abide by receiving from Christ everything necessary for life and godliness by delighting in His person, His character, His actions, by knowing both in our minds and in our experience that He is our life and our all. To give us a little bit more context on abide. I'm in the process, kind of, of losing weight. Now, you all know that if you want to lose weight, there's one thing you have to to do. You have to stick with it because it's kind of slow going. When Christ makes you new, part of abiding is sticking with, putting yourself to death, embracing Christ, putting on the new man. And knowing that it's a slow process. And you've got to stick with it. But branches that abide will bear much fruit. 
Look again in verses 4 and 5. This is proof that branches that abide will bear much fruit. Jesus says, Abide in me and I in you. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. I am the vine, he says. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. So there's a connection. If you are abiding in Christ, you will bear fruit. That is the absolute truth. There's no other way around it. But branches that do not abide, well, they'll bear, bear no fruit for the glory of God. Again, verses 4 and 5, Jesus says, As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. And he says at the end of verse 5, Apart from me, you can do nothing. You cannot bear fruit apart from Christ. You must abide in Christ. Final statement. Only the fruit-bearing branches glorify God. We end where we began. I began saying God does everything for His glory. Nothing God does diminishes His glory in any way. Everything He does is to glorify Himself so that humans might notice and be in awe. Only the fruit-bearing branches bring glory to God. Notice again what Jesus says in verse 8. By this is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. Again, in verse 5, Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you will do nothing. Everyone who abides in Christ will bear fruit, and therefore, they will glorify God. And they will prove that they are disciples of Jesus, that they are actually really connected to the vine and are living branches. Abiding branches will bear much fruit and glorify God. You notice there's a progression in here. In verse 2, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, notice it goes from bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. And then two other times, verse 5, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is who bears much fruit. So it goes from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. And then it also says the same in verse 7, uh, verse 8. By this is my, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. God longs to glorify Himself in you as you abide in Him and produce much fruit. But fruitless branches will bear the righteous wrath of God. Again in verse 2, Jesus says, Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. He removes it. Verse 6, again, he says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. This is talking about God's righteous and just judgment. God is unfailingly perfect 
in His righteousness and judgment. He knows every person inside and out. Every deed, every thought. He knows if that person truly is a living branch or a poser, a fake. And those that are living branches are pruned so that they might glorify God as they abide in Him and bear much fruit. But the ones that bear no fruit, Jesus pulls no punches. They're judged. They're cut off. They're thrown away. They're gathered, thrown into a fire, and burned. Well, you might say, Brother Shannon, isn't this kind of a false dichotomy? Either you glorify God or you don't. Well, in a sense, I understand why you'd say that. You know, only the fruit-bearing branches really bring glory to God, the glory that He desires from human beings. But God, in His punishment of the unjust, the unrighteous, the lost, the dead branches, they provide a backdrop of God's mercy and grace. There's a song that, <clears throat> when I was in college, I think, and it was uh, one of these days, I can't remember who sang it, but one of these days, I'm going to know what it was like if you hadn't have saved me. In other words, the author of that song is saying, I'm going to look and see what you do to others, and I'm going to glorify you for what you did for me. When you punish those that have been uh, sent to the, to the judgment I'm going to look at that and I'm going to look at your mercy and your grace and I'm going to say, praise you, God. Well, as we draw this to a close, there's a quote on the screen. It's from Robert Murray McShane. Perhaps you've never heard of him. But he says this, A man is what he is on his knees before God and nothing more. Now, why this quote? You know, verse 7, some people will use it and, and they'll take it out of context. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Lord, I want a car. I've been at Awana. I've been at church. I've memorized your words. They are in me. Lord, I want a car. Well, that's taking it out of context. I believe what Jesus is saying here, if you abide in me by the, by the Spirit, through my word, and my words abide in you, and the Spirit applies those words to your life, you'll start bearing fruit. And you know what that fruit will look like? Your prayer life will change. Your prayer life will be an indication of, of the, the point to which, the amount to which you are abiding in Jesus Christ. So that's why I bring this up. What a man is, a man is what he is on his knees before God and nothing more. What a man is in prayer tells what that person believes about the vine. And what a person is in their prayer life demonstrates how their abiding in the vine is either bearing fruit or not bearing fruit in their life. Now, I don't want to leave you on a somber note. Because I know we all struggle with our prayer life. I'd be the first to admit that. But you know, one of the things that you can pray today is, Lord, show me that I'm abiding in you. Show me I'm abiding in you. And if I'm not, Lord, prune me that I might... Put away things that draw me away 
from being drawn ever deeper to you and all that you are to me because you are my life. And if you pray that, I, I would say the Lord's words are abiding in you. And he's eager to do what you prayed for because your heart is different. I want to ask you to close your eyes and, and just bow your head for a moment. I want to lead us in, a, in a, just a time of introspection for a moment, not long, and then, a, then we'll have our, our time of response together. It's really no secret what the Christian life is. It's abiding in Christ. It's coming to Him through His Word and through the Holy Spirit and, and seeking in His Word and through His Spirit all of, the, all of what Christ did for you. So I, I, I ask you um, to just... Open your heart before the Lord. And let Him draw you to Himself. Just tell the Lord, Lord, I want to, I really truly want to abide in you. Perhaps there are some of you here this morning that have never made a decision. You would be a branch that would be cut off. Today is a day that you can you can become a living branch. But you can't do it through religion. You can only do it through coming to the vine. The vine's the only one who can make you clean. Christ Jesus alone is the only one that can make you clean. Father, you know the hearts of each person here. You know every branch and what they need. Lord, thank you for being the good vine dresser. Lord, thank you for the purposeful cuts that are for our good and for your glory. Lord, we pray all this in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to have a time of response. and uh, If you would, please stand. I want to encourage you that if um, there's any decision you need to make today, if you realize that you're a branch that would be cut off, don't leave here today without knowing how Christ makes you a living branch. Uh, if you're a person who's realized, I'm not abiding in the Lord, um, use this time. To, to do business between you and the Lord. We're going to sing a song that I think encapsulates what it means to abide. And as we sing this, just let your heart speak to the Lord. Be reminded of how we need Him. Let's, let's sing together.
updates. Uh, ben Campbell, talked to him this week. I think Ben is, is doing pretty well, and I'm grateful for that. He did have a procedure here recently um, down at Austin Heart. That went well. He's back home, so praise God for that. Um, we've added Bud Souls. That's Charlie's nephew uh, to, the, to the prayer list. Um, he's dealing with some pretty serious shoulder issues, uh, pain from that, recent surgery, so please pray for him. I've heard uh, this morning that Coach Todd Lang from over in, in uh, Lano is dealing with brain cancer. He's not doing well at all. Um, let's see. How's your brother doing, Pam? Okay. Okay. Well, good. We're glad to hear. That's Joel Morales Jr. We're glad to hear uh, that he's doing well. Um, Sue texted me this morning to let me know that, that Rose Gray was taken to the hospital and she's got a, a touch of colitis. She's going to be in the hospital for a few days, so, so pray for her. Um, who am I forgetting? Deacons? Oh, the Tommy Bowden family. Tommy Bowden uh, passed away uh, this past week, so so pray for the Bowden family. Yes, ma'am. Okay. Okay. Right. All right. So that's Angela Allred on our list. Supposed to have brain surgery. May the twelfth. Okay. Also, Jan Heflin passed away. Uh, yes, my sweet friend Jan passed away um, Friday afternoon, surrounded by her family as they were singing, How Great Thou Art. She took her last breath. You can't be any more thankful Amen. for that. Thank you all for your prayers. Amen. Amen. Any other updates? Yes, ma'am? Colton's knee surgery is this week. Yes. Colton. And Chris told us this morning that she did ask for prayers that she's having a hard time as well. Okay. But, uh, with her knees and stuff, and she did ask for prayers okay. to get through this week, and they're preparing to leave for surgery. Okay. So you need to pray for, for Crystal Bench and then also for Colton as he's having his knee surgery. It's this week. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. Any other updates? All right. Well, I'd promised you we were going to pray for rain. So if you would please stand. Uh, remember these, these requests, uh, these folks on our prayer list and the updates that we've provided uh, when you have your own personal prayer time. Uh, so remember those. But let's take a moment and pray for the Lord's blessing on our land. Father, we thank you for this day. Uh, and and uh, Lord, we worship you. Uh, there is none higher than you. Uh, you created this world. It works perfectly. You sustain it. It works according to how you designed it. Um, there are times when we experience uh, abundance of rain and times when there's drought. Uh, we, Lord, we don't question you at all uh, regarding your goodness or your kindness or your providence in times of drought. Uh, Lord, oftentimes you use it to draw your people back to yourself uh, because you know so much about how uh, we depend upon these rains. You're not holding us hostage, but oftentimes you can use rain, a lack of it, to prune our hearts to be reminded that every good gift comes down from the Father of lights in whom there is no shadow or shifting. 
so, Father, we, we acknowledge all of that. But we do know, Lord, you look down upon our land and you see that how dry we are and how in need we are. We thank you that uh, there is a chance of rain today and tomorrow. We pray, God, that you would just shower us with abundance of rain uh, like we need it. Uh, I'm, not, I'm no farmer, but I know that the farmers will say, Lord, if we could get a rain in a certain way, it would make such a difference. And so, Lord, I know they're praying along with me right now and pray that you hear our prayers. We thank you in advance, Father, because we know uh, that you provide rains in due season. And so, Father, we pray uh, selfishly that our schedule and your schedule line up. So, Father, we thank you for providing us with the rain we so desperately need. We pray it in Christ's name. Amen. We'll say the Great Commission together and be dismissed. And Jesus came and said to them...